You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 32 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Smith, and today I'm going to be talking about timing when it comes to seed starting. So if you are the type of gardener who up until this point has primarily bought their seedlings from a nursery, a local garden center, and you're interested in growing your own seedlings at home from seed, that's fantastic. And that's not to say that, you know, buying seedlings is bad. It's just that growing your own seedlings kind of increases your knowledge overall when it comes to plants and how they behave and their needs. And timing is a really important factor when it comes to planning your garden for the year. So I'm going to be talking all about that timing what it's based in, how it works, and my little trick to making sure that timing everything for the garden season goes smoothly. So that's what's in store for today's episode, but first, a word from our sponsor. If you're just starting out growing your own seedling transplants at home by starting seeds indoors, it can feel a little overwhelming. There's a lot to keep track of, but I'm going to try in this episode to make it as simple as possible. I've grown my own seedlings for several years now and found this process to be sort of a huge help when it comes to managing all of the data that you have to kind of keep in mind when starting seedlings. So my first tip would be to get a calendar that is dedicated to only seed starting. This might seem like a little bit of an overkill, but there's there's a lot of data that you end up having to write on this calendar and not crowding it with a whole bunch of personal items as you would like a date book or something like that is, is really helpful. Now, you don't have to go out and, and get like a fancy calendar. Like maybe your insurance agent always sends you one in January and you usually toss it straight in the recycling bin because you don't keep like a paper calendar. You keep a calendar on your phone or on your computer. Or maybe your local hardware store has free calendars on flimsy paper. That's where I get my calendar. It doesn't really matter. All that matters is, you know, it's a calendar for this year and and you can use it. You kind of don't feel bad using it strictly for your gardening. Just snap that free calendar up and write down all the following stuff. The first thing that you want to figure out after you get your calendar is your last average frost date. Now, if you're not familiar with this, if you kind of don't already know it by heart, and it's okay if you don't, it's kind of one of those pieces of information that you don't really have to know if you have always gone out and bought your seedlings because typically, you know, they don't make those seedlings available until it's safe to plant those seedlings outside. So it's kind of like, I hate the term idiot proof, but I I mean, that's, that's really true. And, you know, freak frosts happen and and they can kind of like wilt your tomato seedlings after you've brought them home from the garden center and planted them in your garden. But by and large, you know, they they don't set those seedlings out until it's safe for customers to buy them and plant them in their yards. So go to the Farmer's Almanac website, type in your zip code or city, 
scroll down a little bit. There's going to be like some ads. And then your last frost date average for the last 10 years will be right there. And that's it. But I also, in addition to that though, I believe in being as knowledgeable as possible. So I would also encourage you to find your USDA hardiness zone as well. So visit the USDA's website and type in your zip code to find it. Even if you live in the UK, sometimes you'll see the USDA hardiness zones referenced in the UK. Sometimes you'll see the Royal Horticulture Society hardiness zones referenced. The same is true for Australia or Canada. The USDA hardiness zones were created in like the 1960s and it's they're kind of this amalgamation of like 10 years minimum 10 years worth of data and it's the past 10 years worth of data so not just any old 10 years and this can come in handy especially when factoring things in like climate change global warming and as global temperatures kind of start to warm up spring starts to happen a little bit sooner every year which can we all just agree that climate change is a thing Yes. Okay, good. Moving on. So so sometimes those USDA hardiness zones change. I know that in my area, they changed within the last 10 years, you know, because of climate change. So your last average frost date might occur a little bit earlier in the year than normal. That's why it's good to know your, your USDA hardiness zone in addition to your last frost date, kind of checking up on that every year, making sure that things haven't changed. So write that last average frost date on your calendar. The next thing you want to do after that is determine your target transplant date. And this is usually on the back of your seed packet. If you're starting seedlings at home, that's the first place you're going to want to look is on the back of the seed packet. It's actually a really useful tool. There's going to be tons of information there. If that information is not there, I created a table in the show notes or the sister posts or whatever you want to call for this podcast episode on my blog. So if that kind of target transplant date for whatever type of vegetable you are trying to grow isn't there, you might check out the blog post on bnbasil.com. Just type in when to start seeds indoors in the site search bar and the post should pop right up. It's a table that's all the way down at the bottom of the page and it's the most commonly grown vegetables and herbs that are started you know, indoors in, in home gardens. Now, don't assume that your transplant date is the date of your last average frost. Your target transplant date is usually actually either a few weeks before your last average frost or two to four weeks after your last average frost, depending on the plant. Again, reference the back of your seed packet or reference the table in the blog post that accompanies this podcast episode. The reason why this target plant date is going to be different is because all plants are different. Broccoli likes cooler weather and should be planted a few weeks before the last frost, so it has a chance to grow as much as possible before the weather gets too hot. On the other end of the spectrum, tomatoes hate cold weather, and you'll often find seed packets saying, you know, plant transplants outdoors after all threat of frost has passed. And this is usually a good two weeks, two to three weeks after the last spring frost. So write those transplant dates on your calendar and it's going to be different for each vegetable. Finally, you need to determine the number of weeks that a seedling needs to grow. So this is different for all seedlings. Many need eight weeks of growing time or more, while others only need three to four weeks. Again, you're going to want to probably check out that table in the blog post on bnbasil.com because in addition to the target transplant date in relation to your area's last average frost, it's also going to have the sort of conventionally accepted number of weeks needed for that particular plant to grow. So in addition to that target transplant date, you're going to 
to want to write the seed start date, you guessed it, on your calendar. So what you do is you determine the number of weeks seedlings need to grow. For instance, broccoli should be planted indoors eight weeks prior to the transplant date. So if I know that my broccoli transplant date is around the end of March, then I need to count back eight weeks from there and start my seedlings eight weeks prior to the end of March, which puts me at the end of January. So that's how you end up with your seed starting date is by starting with your target transplant date finding out how many weeks that you need to grow that seedling before it's safe to plant it outside, and then counting backwards, and then mark that date on your calendar. Now, depending on what you're growing, you might be starting multiple types of seeds at the same time, and then a few weeks later, starting a different set of seeds. That's totally normal. That's because a lot of plants in the same family have the same target transplant date. So for instance, yesterday I started my broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower. Those are all brassicas. They are all in the coal crop family. They love cool weather. They're all going to be planted out at the end of March, so they're all going to be started indoors at the same time. I also started my onions, which I'm going to be talking about how to start onions from seed in the next episode, and I'm super excited. So you should get excited too, but I digress. I do want to point out that When it comes to seedlings, bigger isn't always better. You might think that you want your seedlings to be as big as possible before planting them out, but when you keep a seedling indoors for too long, you can stunt its growth and make it harder for it to adapt to the outdoors. And, And that's another reason why timing matters so much. I mean, if you start a broccoli seedling eight weeks before it needs to be planted outside, and because of bad weather or, you know, particularly harsh frosts, you decide that you're going to delay transplanting by a week. Delaying transplanting by a week is perfectly fine, but delaying transplanting by, say, three to four weeks, not great. That little seedling is going to probably stop growing altogether. It's it's not going to die, but it is going to stop growing taller because it's no matter how much you feed it, it just it doesn't have the room that it needs in order to grow bigger, right? It needs to be taken out of that little four inch pot that you've put it in and transplanted outdoors. So the longer it sits in that little pot and gets accustomed to its comfy little home indoors, the harsher the reality when it finally gets transplanted outdoors. Of course, hardening your seedlings off is always, always, always going to help this, but still, you should really try to be aiming to kind of plant your seedlings outdoors around that target transplant date as much as possible. In general, you want your seedlings to have two to three sets of true leaves when you transplant them. This ensures that they're capable of doing enough photosynthesizing to be self-sufficient. As I told you, I believe in the very last episode, the first set of leaves that comes up are called cotyledons, and they're actually known as seed leaves, and they cannot perform photosynthesis, so they're not able to sustain the plant in any way. So seedlings should definitely not be planted outdoors until they have at least two to three like I said, sets of true leaves. Finally, in reference to that chart that I mentioned in the blog post at my blog, beandbasil.com, again, the title of the blog post is When to Start Seeds Indoors, if you just do a quick search for that. It should also be there at the top of the most recent posts because I try to 
post my sister posts around the same time that I schedule the podcast episodes so that they're easy to find. Again, the chart is all the way down at the bottom, and you should keep in mind that the chart is only for seeds that are typically started indoors. Certain seeds like carrots, peas, and beans should always be started outdoors in place because they do not like to be transplanted. Also keep in mind that your last frost might not be your last. Mother Nature does not always stick to the calendar. In fact, she almost never sticks to the calendar. She's either perpetually early or perpetually late. So be sure to check the 10-day weather forecast before you actually transplant those seedlings outside. Like I said, it's perfectly fine to kind of delay transplanting by a week if you need to because of bad weather, but much more than that and your seedling is going to start to get a little too comfortable in its nice cushy conditions indoors where you started it. So that is it for today. I hope that this kind of makes the whole process of timing your seed starting a little bit easier. So remember, get a calendar, find your last average frost date, figure out your transplant, your target transplant date, and then count back the number of weeks that particular plant needs to grow before it's safe to plant outside. Write all those things on your calendar and you are good to go. Like I said, in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about how to start onions from seed, something that I do every year. It's actually super fulfilling, and it's much easier than you might think and has a lot of benefits too. So be sure to tune in next week for that. Until next time, again, thank you guys so much, and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.